Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Mighty 10 Cup round. What are we, round three? Is it round three? Only round three. Wow. Uh, I'm sure it must be more than that. Um, and the Farrah Palmer Cup round, um, whatever that one's at. Um, review. Yes, it's the Mighty 10 Cup and Farrah Palmer Cup review that we bring you every Sunday at 8 p.m. here on New Zealand Sports Radio. Hi, I'm Paul. I'll be your host today. And um, you know what? We've had some major upsets this weekend. Um, we've had golden points as well um, to discuss. Uh, and we also now have a pretty good idea as to how the women's finals are going to pan out in the Farrah Palmer Cup. So lots and lots to talk about. Um, and uh, a change to the usual lineup. I've got uh, um, Stephen Harris joining me instead. Um, no Ashwin this week, as he's just uh, he had a late night last night. And um, boy, he's just too old. He can't. He just he just, he just can't cope anymore. <laughs> I don't know about that. You replace one old guy with an even older guy, Paul. Say, I'm not so I'm not so sure if that's a good thing. But hey, always a privilege to come on and uh, talk the national game, especially these exciting times. In the uh, Mighty Ten Cup, of course, we just uh, uh, surpassed what was it, round four, and we're up to uh, round five or, or coming up to round six in the Farrah Palmer Cup. So, uh, yeah, plenty to get through. A strange old weekend. There you go. I've named the show wrong, folks. So sorry about that. Um, the uh, <laughs> the title of the video is wrong, but hey, um, it was a cracking weekend, and we kicked off on um, Friday night with Bay of Plenty versus Auckland uh, down in Rotorua. Um, now. Um, besides Southland, I think Rotorua. I mean, Rotorua could be one of the coldest stadiums um, in uh, in the Mighty Ten Cup. It's one. Of the, it's the coldest one that I go to. Anyway, lovely and warm in the sunshine. As soon as that, as soon as that sun drops off, though, boy, uh, the air temperature in Rotorua is pretty nippy. So, um, a cold one there, um, but dry, um, which was um, which was good. I mean, um, the uh, uh, coming into this one, um, you, you kind of. Uh, Wondering how um, these teams will um, will go. Bay of Plenty, lots of promise, not really clicking this season. Auckland, sort of down in a few All Blacks. You're wondering how they're going to, um, but uh, but Auckland, yeah, they, they, they seem to be um, seems to be travelling on. Um, but so uh, yeah, this was a very cagey affair um, in the end. Uh, lots of kicking, lots of not wanting to make mistakes and not wanting to lose it. 
Um, it's kind of how I how I read this one, Stephen. Yeah, I think you pretty much hit it, hit it on the head. Of course, Auckland looked really dangerous, especially one uh, Sayasi Rayasi. Mm. Is it Rayasi out on out on the wing there, scoring a, a, a couple of uh, a couple of tries before half time, and it, it seemed as though he was probably the most potent guy on the field when you got when you got ball and ball in hand, and in that first half especially, uh, Simon Hickey seemed to be run, running the cutter really really well. Yeah, a bit surprised. I mean, so some interesting decision making um, there. I mean, Bay of Plenty decided to go for the posts um, when they were straight in front, and you're thinking, "Wow, a, a, um, you got a penalty in front." Quite often, you'll take a scrum at that point, um, especially if you're three ten down. Um, but they didn't. Uh, they, they they were accumulating points, and I say that's what. Um, and and a lot, also with the kicking, um, that's what made it look like that. And Bay of Plenty yet again. Getting close. I mean, in this this time, um, losses one by four. But again, but they were they were bashing away at the line um, at the end and knocked it on. So Bay of Plenty, I say, it's not quite clicking. A lot of their games have been decided by a score one way or the other. Um, and even their win over Southland, um, Southland could have won that um, at the death, couldn't they? So yeah, it's um, it's turning into a a strange old season for them. And I think there's a few sides like that that have. That are taking a few games to get into their stride, taking a few games to get, um, uh, yeah, to to, to 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 start clicking as a team. I don't know if that's to do with the whole COVID situation, with the uh, shortened preseason. A lot of these teams didn't have, or, or might have had like one warm-up game, but not with all of their players. Um, so I think there might might be an element of that that, that we're going to see some change. We're going to see some teams who have not been performing that well early will click and will start performing better. I think. Um, as the season goes on, yeah, very, very, very true that Paul. I just think in that Bay of Plenty performance last year, look, collectively they were really good as a team. Where I thought on on Friday night, if I just look at my notes, I thought Nathan Vella really led by example in the in the number two jersey. He created a lot of turnovers, which basically meant that Auckland couldn't really get anything going, even though they they looked the more dangerous dangerous side. And to be fair, though Bay of Plenty, they couldn't really take a trick. They didn't seem to utilise their, their position well and, and came up with a lot of errors at the wrong time. Yep. Um, so that was the only game on Friday. Moving on to Saturday, then we kicked off with um, Counties versus Manawatu um, up at um, uh, up, up, up in Counties. Uh, couldn't make this one because I had um, uh, I was in training on Saturday, so I didn't manage to get to that game. But watch this one on, on the old um, on the on the old uh, Sky streaming app. So um that was uh, that, that was all good. Manawa two really kicked on well in this. Started this game really well. And you're thinking, wow, okay, they've got some. Um, um, they 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 they've they've they've, they've um, got themselves uh, up and running at last. Only to basically just run out of steam um, and just yeah, and you kind of think, wow, okay, the uh, they really just couldn't hold on to it. Um, we, we were taught, to me this was going to this was kind of like the the cup final. Of the bottom two teams in the uh, championship, um, and was a must-win game for both of them. And uh, I think uh, we saw that in, in kind of how Manawatu came out uh, in that first half. Yeah, I think they came. They went out with a game plan to play at pace. You could see Jamie Booth popping up all over the place, going for quick taps, just trying to get in behind counties, and, and it obviously worked to good effect. They got the early tries to uh, Hurley Langton, and of course James Toffer in the midfield, who I thought was really outstanding in that first quarter. He was very good. But, you know, for their endeavour, every now and again, 
they'd make a mistake and uh, you know they'd get they get punished and um, they didn't get and they they were they were punished uh, by the uh, flanker Motuanga who uh, ended up scoring uh, three tries in the game. So what a, what a way to go for him. He picked up it's only his second game and he scored four tries. He scored one I think the previous week against Northland as well, Paul. So he's having a heck of a season. No question, Manawa two have got points in them. The problem is they leak far too much. Yep, absolutely. And in, in that second half, I, it was still I mean, was, they, they were still up. Um, what uh, fifteen twenty five? Uh, I thought, yeah, when they when they'd replied very quickly to the the early penalty in that second half with a try, um, pretty much straight away. You think, okay, ten point lead. They seem to be responding to every score that that County score with a score of their own. Um, but then it was one way traffic after that, um, uh, and. Uh, uh, was, I mean, there was a try at the death to make it um, to make it appear a bit closer than it really was, but so yeah, counties really dominated that second half. Three converted tries without without response. That twenty one points just took it away, uh, and yeah, counties get their first win of the season, which is um, yeah. obviously very pleasing for them. Paul, I was going to say one of the real key things for me was uh, Baden Kerr actually being replaced um, early in the second half. Jason Robinson. Uh, coming on, and I just th- I just thought he brought a little bit more spark to the back line. He runs at the back line a little bit more where Baden Kirst tends to sit back in the pocket, and I thought that was the key, and once they were able to get the, the ball in the hands of the likes of Kurandrani, he just showed how strong he is, not any pacey, but strong, scoring a very good try in the, in the 70th minute, which pretty much sealed the game, although Manawa two turbos did come back with that very, very good set piece try near the end to Wild, which I thought was pretty much put together. But, you know, all in all, Paul, it made for a grandstand finish, but in my opinion, far too little, far too late. Yeah, and Kieran Dryers, look, he's a player that came over last year, and I'm thinking, uh, and picked himself up a, a super contract with the Highlanders um, with very little gameplay. And uh, so more on promise than anything else, and I've not really seen him deliver, to be honest. He didn't uh, get much game time down in the Highlanders. Uh, I, I wasn't that impressed with him last season, but then again, he didn't have the centres to let him free. I've not been that impressed with him so far this season, but yeah, he did take that try well. Uh, shows you that he can do things, he just needs to get involved a lot more. Yeah, um, yeah, no. yeah I, I don't disagree with that. I think if he, he's playing with a, in a team that gets a, a lot more consistent ball with a bit more space, I think we can see what he can do. He's just not really getting that at, at the minute. And that's no disrespect to uh, the two midfielders that were there because I actually thought Fosita, both Fosita and um, Gus Ledger actually played really, really well. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. Gus Ledger is pretty much the heartbeat to that team, Paul. He does most things well, but, you know, as we all know, we, we need the other 14 guys doing their bit as well. Yeah, no, it's like said, the centre combination is looking a lot, a lot better than last year. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, but we had like 21 minutes of no scoring in that game, and then it, then it all came alive. Um, the uh, and now counties, um, have uh, not lost to Manawa two at home since 1981. So, um, wow. there you go. There's a there's a it's getting on towards 40 years since they lost at home to Manawa two. So, uh, yeah, pretty impressive record that, that, that counties were defending. Wow, I think I was going out with my wife for one exactly one year and I hadn't had children. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. That is absolutely insane. Not me not so, having children. <laughs> them not having yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the officers at school. Um anyway, um moving on then to is it nearly forty years? 
20, yeah, nearly 40 years. Um, yeah. the um, moving on then to um, uh, to the next game, then you were at this one, Northland versus Taranaki, the 50th game between these two. Uh, I say I wasn't there, so I'm gonna let you uh, and I, I, I didn't get to watch this one, so I'm gonna let you uh, um, take over for this game. Yeah, of course, not only was it a, a victory for Northland, but it was also a celebration of, uh, of, of sorts because uh, Ross Wright played his uh, 100th game. And uh, if you check out our website on New Zealand uh, Sport Radio, we've uh, I've posted uh, that hacker and I've even got it up on my personal website as well. But also a 50th uh, cap for a couple of other guys, Dan, Dan Price, Sam Nock and uh, Matty Wright, uh, brother of uh, Ross Wright as well. So I think Northland were always going to be fired up for that game. Paul, it, it took these two teams... A little bit of a while to to feel each other out, you know. Contrary to to Lachlan Boshua saying, "Man, oh no, there was no real hangover from the, the Shield loss last week." I suspected Taranaki were a little bit little bit flat, and it uh, gave Northland a perfect opportunity to get in there nice and early from a uh, a very good break uh, uh, from Sam Sam Nock, and that really came, was started by Scott Gregory with a little chip over the top. Um, Potros didn't. Uh, to deal with it, it popped up into the hands of Sam Nock, who made a good run, offloaded to uh, Scott Gregory and scored. And a few minutes later, Northam from a good line-out drive, drove their way over. And, uh, yeah, seemingly in control. But one thing Northam were doing very, very well, Paul, they, were, they weren't letting Taranaki get over the advantage line. And uh, a lot of the ball was, was slow. There were a lot of turnovers. It was a little stop-start in that first half. But credit to Taranaki, they... Uh, uh, scored a try to Daniel Waith just before halftime. On the one occasion they, that they actually did get behind uh, Northland, and that was Lachlan Boshier getting behind Northland. Quick ball to the uh, left-hand side, and they went for a try. And at 15-7, it was probably Northland. They were looking over their shoulder, Paul, at halftime. And what we're going to do, folks, is we're actually going to end the show playing out with that hacker. So um, do stick around to the end of the show, and you uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll play out the show. Um, with that video of that hacker there for 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 us, um, I was at Bay of Plenty versus Auckland as I mentioned. So there are post match interviews from that one. A funny one actually, where Kurt Eklund took control of the microphone and the camera um, and interviewed James Lay. Um, so um, uh, so yes, so that was uh, that was a bit of a laugh. Um, he wanted he wanted to have a go, so I said, "Hey, yeah, here you go, have a go." Um, so uh, the Smoan International prop there uh, as to um, give an idea as to sort of the strength that Auckland have coming off the bench. Um, the, <laughs> um, so and obviously, Stephen, you you got had post match interviews with some of the players after yes. this this one as well that they're also available for on the on the Facebook page. Yeah, very very much so, Paul. That uh, just into that second half, I mean, at some stage, Taranaki did well to come right back into the game. In fact, I think they led twenty eighteen with uh, twenty five minutes to go, and that was courtesy of another try that they scored. Potros, the, the fullback, who's always dangerous, were pretty much walked in a try. And uh, to be honest, the visitors were were looking really really good, but. Uh, I listened some really good changes from the Northland coaches. They they changed both the uh, the front rowers that brought a little bit of uh, energy into the team, and uh, also off the bench one Johnny uh, Masalai, who we haven't seen for a while. Uh, we've all been asking the question, why has he not been uh, picked in the twenty three? And um, interestingly enough, only his either his first or second touch, I think it was, he showed his power and strength when he scored in the corner, and that was pretty much the catalyst to. Uh, to wrap, wrap the game up, Paul. And then Carter Pryor basically uh, topped it off with a, a few minutes ago. Taranaki did score near the end, but once again, too little, too late. 
I'm a bit surprised that Potros hasn't got super uh, super rugby chance at some point. Uh, he's, 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 a, he's a very good uh, minor 10 cup player. Um, another name that picked up a yellow card during this one that's, um, that's a bit famous is there was a certain Mr. Rush playing. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, on, on debut, son of Robert Robert Rush, who's son of Eric Rush. And uh, yes, and, and listen, it was really Taranaki just going for broke near the end and Northland just with uh, continued infringement. So he basically took one for the team, as he told me. <laughs> so, uh, and his dad as well, who was standing there, not looking too impressed. But no, 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 I think he, <laughs> I, I, think, I, think it was, I think it was all good. Just one, just one of those things that, that players that do at the end. But I, I think Northam had really done all the work with their, with their defensive work. Uh, and once again, check out our video. I spoke to Lachlan Boucher as as well and yeah he he paid credit to Northern and, and, and basically said we just didn't get in behind them and I think Northern on the few occasions that they got in behind Taranaki uh, took their chances and, and that was you know to me to me the real difference as well. I know a lot of questions have been asked, do two players make a difference to a team for this particular Taranaki team? I think they do because they just both Geordie and uh, and uh, Bodie just give you that extra little bit of go forward. And X Factor as well. Uh, one little telling moment was in the game was uh, Taranaki brought Gus Sawakula on, and a very very good tackle from uh, from from Tom Robinson, who ended up winning the uh, Northern Player of the Day with a very very good shot. And you just saw a little bit of a, a momentum change. Sawakula losing the ball in the in the tackle. So little things that was key. You know, it was pretty even across the board. Even relatively, even at scrub time, although Northland, once again, as they showed in the counties game, I think the most pleasing thing for the coaches will be the fact that in three of the four games, they've actually managed to come back. And good evening, Simon. He's good to have you on board. So, yeah, but look out for all the interviews. I even had one with uh, Graham Jews as well. I know you're, you've, you've got a lot of things to look after when you're uh, an assistant coach of a minor team cup team, but I did the interview with one of his children on top of his shoulders as uh, as well and of course we uh, we uh, catch up with the uh, 100 cap man Ross Wright as well Paul and absolutely look that's this this is one of the joys of the Mighty Cup is the fact that it is such a family affair um and that you do see all, all, all the uh, um the the the, 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 the final there um moving on then um actually well and uh, yeah hi Simon um evening Simon um good to, good to, good to um catch up with you and see you at um at the Rotorua game um as, as well uh, you got to say with Taranaki well, they've got Auckland, um, Southland away, Waikato away. So I can see them losing the next three. Um, and uh, But they do have counties and Manawa too. So they've got two games there that I think are winnable. But the other ones, you've got to say, um, are looking pretty, pretty tough for them. Next one. Um, now, all the talks are going to be about the golden point. But before we get on to the golden point, I want to talk about something else first um, in, this, um, in this game. Uh, and it's something that came up in this game and something that also came up in the Ranfurly Shield game. Um, in this one, um, we had a head knock, early doors, um, to um, Todd Sanders, okay? And he got left on the pitch. And uh, the Sky commentators like, oh, yeah, they've got the best, um, uh, the, the, the sort of the best, they wouldn't take any risk with these players, they're the best things. When you saw him drop, he looked out. Um, and there was no way he should not have gone off for a HIA. Uh, they took him off in the second half, um, and you like, Mate, this is way too late um, getting him off. You've let him play on for about another 40-odd minutes before you've taken him off, and that is disgusting. Um, Sanders should have been gone uh, way before then. 
in this round Philly Shield game. I didn't see it, to be honest. I listened to it on the radio, but it sounds like um, Joshuani, again, was knocked out. Went off, um, uh, un unsteady during half time, got HIA, came back on. I really don't think Josh should have been coming back on from what I heard on the radio. Now, I didn't see it, to be honest. But look, if we're going to take head knocks seriously, players have got to be removed and looked after. They will always want to come back on. They will always think they can play. Um, and it's not until after they game they think, mm, perhaps I wasn't uh, fully aware of what was going on, that they actually realised they shouldn't have been playing. So uh, that's my rant for today. Um, get play Players who take head knocks, get them out, keep them off. It's not worth it. Um, rant over. Um, Canterbury versus Wellington. I mean, something that you've said to me last week, Stephen, was when you're looking through the Canterbury list was, I don't recognise all these names, um, and especially the bench. And you're like, yeah, look, this isn't um, the Canterbury team of the past decade, is it? This is this is a they've started to run out of depth. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's make let's make this clear. They've had some great. They have been the benchmark, but I, I suppose it's like any great franchise or great great team for how long how long does it last? And eventually, it's gonna it's gonna bite. Sometimes, not not to mention a lot of the other unions are, are, are doing their level best to keep their players. We know we know what. There's no need for players to lead lead Tasman anymore if you play for the Crusaders, and no doubt around some of the other unions, the unions are doing really really well to keep their their players. So yeah, it is starting to bite, and they're a young they're a very young group. This Canterbury side. At the minute, I don't know what their average average age is, but I suppose uh, Luke, Luke Romano will probably bring the average age back back to a, a more manageable sum, shall we say? But uh, they are they are pretty young. Yeah, so it's um, and we, we we kind of saw that we saw that with some some questionable decision making. They're leading going into half time, um, and then they actually decide with about two minutes left on the clock that they're just going to try and do one out and just kill kill time. They end up turning over the ball and giving up a try, and you're like, "Wow, this is that's not the kind of rugby you expect out of out of Canterbury." Um, sure, if you're one score up at the end of a game, you might try and do that, but at half time, really, just kick it down the other end, make them go 80, minute, 80 meters. Um, uh, yeah, some I say questionable decision making there, and perhaps a, a lack of faith in, uh, in 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 their style of play. I think we saw there. Interestingly enough, Paul, when Wellington have really, really clicked, um, Duplicy Carifi has always has always been on fire. But I, I just I don't know if you saw this game, but I just felt he was a little bit a little bit quiet in this one. Um, yeah, no, I see this one. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, right. I did, I, did, I didn't sort of uh, notice him that much in this one. Um, but uh, and whilst we say that. Um, Canterbury might have a few names missing. Um, a, a Tom Christie, Tom Sanders, um, and then Princep as your back, as, as your Lucy's. It's not that that's not an area that they're that they're low in. So, um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, yeah, the, the, yeah, he came up against a very good. Um, when you got at Mitch Dunshay and Luke Romano, he's come up against a very good back five um, there in that pack. So, uh, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if that's yeah if if, if yeah he, he had a tough day at the office. Um, in that one, well, 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 Paul, I was going to say, even though they've got that in the starting, you know, you kind of look at their bench, their bench is Mellow, Williams, Newell, Derry, um, who Billy Harmon, yeah, yeah, well, and yeah, <laughs> well, but, well, you got Billy Harmon and NRE, 
quick camera. Actually, to be fair, they've, they've got a little bit of experience here, but they don't no longer present that real top end experience they used to have when they had a you know a dependable Mac Todd mm. guys guys of that ilk running around. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've still got decent, um, you know, say de de decent Lucy's in there. Um, but it's it's in the backs particularly where you look at it and go, Ooh, yeah, there's 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 a, there's a bunch of players there that I'm not um, too sure. Um, Burke starting ahead of Brett Cameron was an interesting one, um, but uh, uh, yeah, in the end it worked for them. Um, but so yeah, they aren't the dominating um, pace setters that we're gonna that we've uh, we've seen in the past. Um, golden point then it was quite fun having the referee, the two captains discussing how how uh, golden point was going to work. Um, the ref referee getting um, assistance from the uh, from the off field umpire, uh, who obviously had a, who obviously quickly who obviously had the rule, the rule book with him, um, and that was the right thing to do, folks. Is um, is to make sure you've got all those things right when it is something that is brand new. When I put my Sam Ward um, interview post match interview out later, you'll um, I, I ask him about um, would they be would they be training for Golden Point now, and he says, well, yep, you have to. Um, but clearly, they uh, nobody has been training for Golden Point, but that's going to be on the um, uh, it's going to be added to the training list for this week after that game. I mean, Wellington did everything right. They got themselves they, they kicked off. Obviously, the drop got themselves in front for the drop goal and then missed it. Um, and uh, um, and then threw an interception, an interception try um, to um, to lose it. But yeah, um, as as Jordan says, Canterbury didn't win. Well, he lost. Yep, they did because they 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 had it all there in their hands to win, um, and they they missed the drop goal um, at the end of the day. Um, so, um, but I must not. I didn't realise that Golden Point was going to apply to this. I, 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 I guess I should have done because they said that all of the rules that they'd done for Super Rugby would apply to here. But I thought that was just rolling away and the other things. I didn't. Golden, Golden, the Golden Point didn't sort of twig with me. Well, I, um, I was like yourself. I was dropping home from Pongaree, but I did catch up with the highlights of the game today. Now, I, I was surprised as well. When they said five minutes, I thought, well, is this going to be two and a half minutes each way? Or does one team play... Because it seems really strange. One team plays for five minutes with, like, for example, if you've got the wind behind you, that's pretty adv advantageous, wouldn't you say, Paul? Yeah. Well, actually, well, this one, no, because Australia is five minutes each way. New Zealand is just 10 minutes in one direction. So if you choose the wind, you get the wind. Um, now, what was interesting was that one of the one of the players asked, asked um, the ref, he says, well, how long do we play for? And he's like, well, it's a golden point. You play until you score. At least, <laughs> which which sounded like this one could go on for a long time. Um, luckily, yeah, they say nobody knew exactly what the rules were. They were figured they were having to quickly figure it out on on the spot because they they kind of had an idea. But um, yes, so he, he so I say the referee got it wrong initially, but got told, um, and obviously we didn't have that problem because somebody had an interception try pretty quickly. Um, but um, so yeah, so as I say, uh, it, it was it was kind of funny. Paul, I did. I did actually send out a. Uh, I responded. I re sent out a tweet to uh, Elliot Smith from NZME, who, who mentioned the game. Maybe the uh, the Steve Walsh curse. Um, that, that's a long story. We could be here here all night. But I, I did basically say, how does a team that has pretty much dominated for pretty much most of the extra time, I don't know, for 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 almost like four minutes or four minutes and four minutes and fifty seconds. 
only for the last 10 seconds to throw it all away. And that's pretty much pretty much what they did. And as for the drop kick, uh, I have seen that. I'm absolutely staggered because Jackson Garden Basham, we all know he's the sort of player that can put a cross kick on a dime um, on most occasions. Uh, that drop kick was very kickable. Maybe he had too much time. Yeah. Um, yeah, Simon said he doesn't like the idea of golden point. Look, yeah, I'm 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 happy with, with draws. I quite like I I think draws are fine. Um, but um, it does add a bit of a bit more um razzmatazz to it um and, and intrigue. I, I I I say I'm happy with draws, but I'm not I'm not I'm I'm not gonna be one of those that gets particularly upset about the golden points in there. It is what it is. Um Everyone knows the rules beforehand, or everyone should know the rules beforehand. Um, <laughs> and they know, uh, look, it's not like they're changing rules on the fly, so hey. So I, I'm not that fussed about it either way. Um, so we followed that up, and then today we had um, Harbour versus Tasman, um, which I was at. I've not put the interview post-match post interviews out yet, but I will do, um, hopefully, before I go to bed tonight. Um, this one, 16-10 uh, at halftime um, with... Um, Harbour were up, uh, but it definitely felt like that they were playing with the wind at their back in this one. Um, and uh, I did think that, and I was thinking, well, okay, is this wind worth four points or is this wind worth more than that? I thought it was worth more than that. And at half time, I was thinking, oops, uh, yeah, Harbour are in some problems here. They've not got the points that they needed to. Um, but uh, but that wasn't wasn't to be. I mean, they they were kicking and then applying pressure at the breakdown. Um, my pre-season interview with Sam Ward, you'll have heard him talking about the fact that he that they were going to concentrate on the technical side of tackling and rucking. And that was going to be a big a big point for them. It hasn't worked until this week, but this week, all that work they've been putting in over the past four weeks, five weeks, whatever they had for pre-season, has clicked at last. Um, and they really did do that um, the, the, uh, uh, today uh, and basically starved Tasman of ball. If you don't have a ball, you can't score points at the end of the day. And there's a number, there's a number of ways of doing that. It's not just about playing at your own 22. You can do it. Um, there are other ways of doing it, which is what we saw today. Um, one thing we did also see, there was a very rare occurrence. Um, we saw a tight head um, prop get, get, get yellow carded for um, continuous offsides. Um, and then his replacement then got Simbin for repeat scrum infringement. Now, I thought... Um, Harbour were doing the wrong thing there, and I talked about it with actually their um, uh, one of their interns who was doing who was marking the game live. Uh, look, they spent something like five minutes scrummaging to get that second yellow card. Uh, you're like, kick the three, take advantage of being one man up, go back down and score again. But no, what do they do? They scrum, 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 get the other guy off, then kick the three, um, then give up an intercept, give up an intercept try go down, have an uncontested scrum, which totally, they, they weren't, they, and as as, um, as Sam Ward admitted, they didn't, they've never trained for uncontested scrums, so they didn't know what to do. The referee didn't referee it properly either, because he allowed the winger and um, the scrum half who were playing flank grenade to just hold on, and they weren't bound, they didn't have their shoulders, you've got, you got to have shoulder contact, even in an uncontested scrum. Which meant they they broke away very quickly um, and, and covered things off. So, uh, yeah, again, another situation where players aren't ready for it, don't take full advantage of it, and actually, even though they won this game forty twenty four, they lost 
um, the, the 15 minutes when they were when they were one or two men up, um, three seven. Um, so you've got to say, but they really controlled Tasman. Tasman Tasman's two tries both came from intercepts. Right, they didn't actually. They 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 clearly um, aimed at uh, figured out how Tasman attacked and shut them down, and that is impressive because no one else has managed to do that to Tasman. Um, so my early season prediction that um, Harbour were going down um, has uh, has taken a bit of a uh, rethink um, today on the drive back. <laughs> You're very good, Paul. Listen, I, I thought at the 51st minute, if ever a score flattered a team that was coming second, it was Tasman at that point of time because they'd obviously scored that try. Obviously, Mark Tiptalia still knew North Harbour's uh, backline moves from when he played for them last year. Hence, he picked off the intercept and Finlay Christy, the great opportunist, you could see that coming a mile away. And unfortunately for Harbour, that was from a, a line-out win against the feed. So it went, up, it went behind and Talai ran, ran back. And you could see uh, Fraser Christie just basically, his eyes, they, were, they looked like dinner plates. <laughs> you could see that intercept coming a, coming a mile away. And they, they scored and they're back at 19-17. And you're thinking to yourself, how, how does this happen? But, but, in, but in reality... Um, Tasman probably Harbour should have been ahead by a lot more. Yeah, I I, I agree, especially when uh, Tasman uh, were down to thirteen. I thought that was even with an uncontested scrum. I still think that was a great attacking opportunity. And you notice they hadn't trained for it because when when um, Tasman were down a player, they actually used a narrow narrow channel, which is insane. It's easy to defend. Instead of going that little bit wider, because there's a heck of a little bit more work for whoever's anchored onto that that scrum. I even think uh, I think Fletcher Christie went into number eight. He wasn't even bound yep. properly. Um, yeah, just crazy, Paul. But also, you've got the winger and the and the nine bound. There's nobody guarding the blind side. Just suddenly, just pick and go down the blind side um, and, and and throw a winger down there as well was the other option. So another options there. That um, but yeah, as you say, they they. They didn't know what to do there. When they got back into a situation of 15 on 15, where they didn't know what to do, they dominated the game again and um, and, and, and won it. So, so really good there. Um, Southland Waikato. Um, so I was kind of watching this on my on my computer whilst watching yep. the game live. Yeah. Um, and um, basically, they were playing in a swing pool. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, it was drenched. Yeah, well, I think... Um, I think uh... I think Southland order, ordered in these conditions on about Wednesday <laughs> for Sunday, and uh, yeah, it was it was very torrential, and it, it kept them in the game. And but once again, just few little opportunities, and a, a, you know, to me, a man of the match performance from Fletcher Smith. Just just with his kicking game, he knew exactly what to do. Listen, once they they had the win behind them in the second half, he said, "Man, we are going to play all this game down." in the red zone and force Southland to to basically come out of their own half and, and they'll make, make mistakes. And that's what it came down to at the end of the day in the second half. Waikato were making a lot of mistakes. Uh, credit to Southland. They're a plucky side. But uh, I, I think that I think that was the right result at the end of the day, Paul. Yeah, I mean, after getting one up over um, Hawks Bay in similar conditions in round one, uh, yeah, the luck didn't didn't run this time. Um, okay, a missed drop goal in eighty minutes could have won it for for, for Southland. Um, so we had a couple of drop goals in this one, which was which was nice to see. Um, and yeah, in the end, that missed drop goal, a missed penalty, were mean were what uh, 
basically let Southland down. But if you're doing that, if you're kicking into the wind, it's always difficult in those situations. So um, congratulations to Waikato on the one-point win there. Um, the Ranfilly Shield. So I listened to this one on the uh, radio. Um, and as Simon says, musical Ranfilly Shield um, at the moment. Quite right. Um, so um, with this one. And uh, look, at halftime, um, it seemed, again, again, I think this one was, was trying to remember what this halftime score was. Um, but uh, yeah, Hawks Bay just pulled away um, and uh, didn't have any, so I don't, don't they, they basically had none of the play in that first half, but didn't allow Otogo to score. Um, and so what, it was uh, six, seven at halftime. Um, come the second half and they just blitzed, um, blitzed them in the end with, uh, with three more tries uh, to not only win but take the try bonus point as well. Um, and yeah, they, they took the shield, the win, the try bonus point, absolutely everything there um, for Hawks Bay. Um, and uh, look, having players like um, Walker Laurie um, on your bench uh, has that, that bringing someone like that off the bench to bash yeah. into a tight opposition. Wow, that's a, that, that's a good place to be in. Um, and you've got to say that, um, yeah, uh, congratulations, Hawks Bay, a team that. Now have won, have only lost one game, and yet one that I've thought weren't clicking, which is just dumb of me. Um, the uh, I guess that lost to Southland, and then they beat Counties, beat Canterbury, uh, beat Otago, taking the shield. They're on a roll, um, and yeah, you've got to say actually that yeah, that um, it was just wet, wet, wet weather in that first one, um, and since then they've been playing well actually. Oh, very much, very much so. I mean, so in the first half they just weren't quite there. And- the problem that they were having, they just had no ball. And when they did have ball, they could they could only hold them to for about twenty seconds, no longer than twenty seconds. So they're only and which is really unusual of, of Hawks Bay because as we know they're quite a patient team. They'll they'll use their forwards. But uh, one of the one of the players who was playing outstandingly well in that first half was uh, uh, Slade Mc, Slade McDowell. He was the, the open side flanker. He was having a fantastic game, getting a lot of turnovers and. Otago were just winning the breakdown until finally Hawks Bay actually put something together just before halftime, a couple of breaks. They finally got him behind Otago and Lolangi Visania finishes off a try on that on that right right corner, which has converted Mike McClutchy and Otago were probably left to scratch their heads after having all the ball, most of the field position. Um, I think they went out, Jonah, Jonah Nariki went over the line. Um, unfortunately, I, he had a man outside and I I think he ignored him, and it would probably be better if he'd actually passed. He was hell up over the line. So there was some good defence from Hawks Bay in that first, first period. It was, you know, generally across the board, it was pretty even at scrub time. It was even in the, in the, in the set-piece contact, but I thought Otago had the better of the breakdown. But going into halftime, it must have been concerning for them that they hadn't scored a try. Yeah, true. And, um, yeah, congrats to Hawks Bay. I say they've, they, they have clicked. Um Having all those boys who are part of the same team um, coming out of uh, the, the, the school down there, I've gone blank, which one it is, um, clearly helps. Um, now, you've got to say, talking here about um, about Shield hangover, um, well, yes, uh, Hawks Bay are lucky because to next week they don't have to defend the Shield. They're playing away. So they get to play away at Harbour next weekend before they get to defend their Shield against Northland, um, where I believe you're going to be, sir. I think you're heading down, aren't yeah, you? For yeah, that? Yes, uh, yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm flying down the uh, week of the game and I will be at McLean Park 
on uh, on the Friday night. So no, look, looking forward to it. But we've got a we've still got another round of action to go before then. Uh, Paul, but I also just want to mention that Hawks play Ash Dixon played played hundred games as as well. I think they'll probably more likely to celebrate it. Um, interesting and interesting enough, they are they're, I think they're away next weekend against Harbour, which will be a, yep. a, a which will be a tough match. And either either one of us will be, will no doubt be at uh, Harbour Stadium next week, depending on the on the time zone. Um, and and uh, also um, they'll probably celebrate his hundredth game. They 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 always do these things at home, so I guess we'll, we will get to see that uh, down at McLean Park. So I'll have to organise my um, accreditation. To make sure I get to the after match function, and hopefully I can film film something special as we did last night at Seminoff Stadium, Paul. Yep, absolutely. And don't forget, we're going to be playing out with that at the end of the show. So, uh, folks, don't forget to uh, stick around to the end of the show for that um, for that for that celebratory ha- um, hacker there. Um, so, yes, you're going to be there. Um, um, yeah. So next weekend, um, folks, uh, in the Minor Ten Cup, I will be at Waikato on Saturday at, for the seven pm game. Um, Stephen, well. You've, you've got the choice of um, Harbour at 2 p.m. on Saturday, and then also you've got Northland at 1.15 on Sunday. So we'll see which ones you uh, decide to, what, what, um, what you're up for next weekend. But don't, don't forget, folks, like the New Zealand Sport Radio Facebook page to get all those post-match interviews. So if you're listening on the podcast or on YouTube or on Twitter, we just put the, uh, the post-match interviews on Facebook. We don't put them in all those other locations. So do, do, um, do please like that. Um, also, um, for supporters of the, so you can become a supporter of New Zealand Sports Radio. Just go to patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio. Um, and uh, there you get access to um, special videos um, that I do uh, exclusively for supporters. Um, last week, I looked at um, new, what's going on with New Zealand rugby. Um, and uh, next week, I'll be putting one out looking at what does what's New Zealand rugby's view. Um, future view or of Super Rugby? How do they see it going forward? Because um, I think we've had some really interesting stuff that's been hinted at, but not really explained in the um, uh, in the press. So you can become a supporter of Driving More for as little as a dollar a month. Um, and um, folks, it really does mean the world to me. My favourite people in the world are obviously those contributors like Stephen, um, who uh, come on here and provide uh, all this content for you guys for free. I don't, I don't pay them. I'd love to. Um, so my favourite people in the world, my second favourite people in the world are my supporters on patreon.com forward slash driving malls. Uh, sorry, sorry, forward slash um, NZ Sport Radio. So thanks for all of that. Um, oh, Paul, just I, I just want to say, it's a lot of fun doing that. So, uh, I should say to the, the, the people who are watching, we get some great feedback when we're around the trips. Um, I know we've been covering a lot of the rugby that, that doesn't always get a lot of love or the things that happen behind the scenes. You know, we see a lot of stuff on, on other, other channels that people will see all the time and it gets shared. But uh, like, like for example, yesterday I uh, interviewed two girls in the Farrah Palmer cup, which we're about to get to get to shortly that were, we're making their debut. And one of the young, young girls there, Georgia Bryars that I, I spoke to, she was just jumping out of her skin to uh to play for north and so yeah it's yeah it's it's a lot of fun we have a lot of fun doing this we do have a lot of fun doing it and folks don't we're also looking at trying to do it for the um auckland club cricket competition as well so look it's not just rugby we do this for we try and do it for other for other sports um as well so look out for that coming up so yes farrah palmer cup then 
Auckland versus Bay of Plenty was the first game. I've not really watched many of these, but I've watched a bit of Farrah Palmer Cup this year and um, I've looked at the scores and looked how the games went. Uh, this was 12-0 to Auckland. Um, and it, whilst it looked at, at 22-19, it looks like it was a close game. But with time up, it was 22-12. Okay, so a 10-point lead, two-score lead. They couldn't lose it. But a score after the 80 minutes got the losing bonus point for Bay of Plenty. Um, so, yeah, Auckland really dominated this one. Um and uh, now top the um, North uh, Conference um, and uh, uh, yeah, odds-on favourites to be going through uh, to the uh, final series as one of those top two. Um, Northland beat North Harbour, unsurprisingly, 65-5. Um, Stephen, you were there. I mean, Harbour obviously been having a tough season um, this year. They won their, sort of what I would call their cup final against Tasman. Uh, you know, struggling against all the others. Yeah, I think it was pretty much an expected result there. Yeah, it, it, to be honest, it was a celebration. I uh, caught up with Todd and Nathan Wong. And um, listen, after after uh, three games where they've had to really, really battle, three tough games, of course, Waikato, Auckland, and then getting the win over Counties Monaco, I think this was just a, a game of expression where they were able to throw the ball around, Paul, um, show, show what they can do. You know, credit credit to the um, the North Harbour team. They were down forty three nil at half time, and this could have really, really blown out. And it took Northland another twenty odd minutes to actually uh, uh, score there. I think they scored eleven tries in total, their eighth eighth try. So uh, you know, Harbour actually hung in there, and they scored. I think they they were the second to last scores. They're very impressive uh, number number eight, which just escapes my mind at the moment. Paul, as I look at my at my piece of paper. Varera, Varia, who scored, she was probably their best player and a, and a well-deserved score to the North Harbour number eight. But yeah, really impressive. I mean, to say Portia Woodman in the midfield, my God, she's got an ability to take an outside, you, she's got an ability to take an outside gap and Tyler Nathan Wong played, probably played her best game for, for North and very dangerous in the at, at, at halfback, and you know, great to see a couple of young girls. Um, Georgia Briars, who uh, who I interviewed, is uh, is a young young girl who uh, she starred at the uh, Ignite Sevens, I think it was last year, at uh, Waitakere Stadium, the Red Bull Ignite Sevens. She was one of the, the star turns in that particular tournament, and uh, also Narissa Fale made her a debut for North and former counties. County's player who's moved back up north. So, uh, yeah, she was, you know, even though uh, Narissa's been around around the game for a while, she was super delighted to be playing for this north side. They got a good on at the minute, Paul. Yeah, um, they've got, there might only be a two-year-old system, but they've got, they, they've, they've been providing players to other provinces for a number of years, um, and they've got a few back now, which has helped, helped, uh, helped, helped to strengthen them um, this time. Um we then had a cracking game, Waikato versus um, Counties. Uh, so unfortunately, didn't see this, but half time 15 14 um, in this one. So close there um, and finished up 34 um, 28. Now, Counties, one of the T, I think probably our, our pre season favourite from, from the North um, Division, um, now have lost back to back games against Northland uh, and Waikato. Shows you how competitive um, this the, the, the top teams are um, in this competition. I know we're going to see a lot of, we, we see a lot of blowouts. But there, is, but there is some real competition amongst those other other groups. Um, with Waikato oh. now sat second in the table, I think we're probably going to see Auckland and Waikato as the top two. Um, 
uh, or they, they've um, uh, Waikato have got Harbour up next, so you've got to say that's um, that's probably going to be a win for them. Um, and then they finish with Auckland. So that last game is uh, is, is going to be interesting. Um, you've got Northland, you've got Bay of Plenty, and also Counties all on two wins. If if one of those team, one of those three teams can win both their games, they've got a chance of going through. But at the moment, it looks like it's going to probably be Auckland and Waikato. Quite what order it's going to be in will come down probably to that final game between the two of them. Uh, that finished off 34-28. Sorry, I don't know. I said the actual score there. But still, within the score, County's obviously getting the losing bonus point. But um, yeah, cracking. Uh, that sounds like it was a cracking game there. Heading south then, um, Canterbury beat Wellington 54-12 um, in this one. Canterbury confirmed themselves as number one seeds down in the Southern Division. Unsurprising, really. They've won all their games. We expect them to win their final game as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, Canterbury uh, have secured themselves a home semi-final. probably will secure themselves a home final as well if they get that far. So, um, unsurprising there. Um, now, what is surprising is how the women are treated. So, um, Alice Soper on um, Twitter, she's been one of the most vocal um, women players about the treatment of uh, the women's game by New Zealand rugby slash the provinces, whoever's uh, whoever's got the thing. The, the 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 Wellington girls got back to their hotel after the game and were told there's no dinner for them, um, and that the uh, and that they had to pay for their own dinners. Now that's just nuts, folks. Um, they here they are traveling around the country um, for their province, um, playing what is what is the the top level of uh, women's club rugby in the world, um, alongside probably the, the, the French and the uh, the English leagues, um, and they're not even getting dinner after a game, um, which is nuts. So, um, yeah, come on, provinces, step up. We're not asking you to be paying them a million dollars a year. We're just saying that they should be treated um, as proper um, athletes, i.e. you get your T&E, you get your travel uh, and your, your, your food paid for, you get some your nutrition played for when you're training as well, uh, your, tra your training events. Um, you should have access to masseurs and things to help you recover. Um, this is just what top-level sports should should include. Um, I think it's uh, disgraceful that uh, the, the Wellington women had to pay for their own dinners um, after the game. Well, Paul, I was about, I was about to say, and, and this is, you know, they, the, the union that hosts them work, work Canterbury, and this is one of the, and this is the top, top team in New Zealand, so I think it's really a, a black mark against the Canterbury Rugby Union, in my opinion, unless you know, unless they want to say say otherwise, because uh, it, it's it's very poor form, in, in in my opinion. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know whose responsibility it is whether it's whether it's Canterbury as the hosts, whether it's Wellington as their um, as, as as the as, as the province they play for, or whether it's New Zealand Rugby who run the whole seat, whole whole thing. I don't know whether where, where the blame lies, but it's wrong. Um, so, um, yeah, so congratulations, Wellington. There, um, Wellington, um, hope you had a nice trip home. Um, I mean, but when they went down to play Tasman, they had to take the ferry as well. Now, I don't know if that's quicker than flying or not, but to me, um, that seemed like again, uh, leaving a game uh, quite often. So, the men will, will most will, will pretty much always stay over, um, after a game unless they can get home pretty quickly. Uh, the when Wellington played Tasman, they had to get on a coach and, and, and a ferry to get home. Um, as well, so um, yeah, um, I, yeah, poor, poor form, um, definitely. Uh, as um, 
uh, as as Simon Hughes says, um, even amateur rugby clubs provide food yeah. to the opposition team after after a game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah. Um, Tasman versus Hawks Bay. Um, no, that can't be right because Tasman and Hawks Bay are in different ones. Uh, no, no, right. That's right. Yeah, Tasman versus Hawks Bay. Sorry, I was thinking happy there. Tasman versus Hawks Bay, um, five sixty-two. Um, again, we know that um, Tasman uh, is one of the younger, uh, more development sides. Hawks Bay. Um, are one of the ones that are still in with a shout of getting that second place in the Southern Conference. Um, so unsurprising, um, that result, 562. Um, the, um, uh, then Otago versus um, Manawatu. Now, this finished, uh, this was um, 0-7 at half time, and it finished 14-28. But that makes this one actually look like it was more comfortable than it was. Um, this was 14-21 going into the dying seconds of the game. So Otago could have drawn it. Obviously, then we would have ended up in golden point, I guess, um, and they could have gone on to win it. But no, um, uh, Manawatu managed to get themselves a try once time was up and after the hooter. Um, and so that's um, what it looks like a two-score win. That really was uh, right down to the wire between Otago and Manawatu um, there in that one. Um and uh, having a quick look at the um, the Farrah Palmer Cup tables, I mean, we've talked about what's going to happen in the in the North Auckland and Waikato, probably there. Um, counties, Bay of Plenty, and Northland, an outside chance of making it. Can uh, down in the South, Canterbury on twenty points uh, with four wins will top the top the group. Um, but then you've got Manawatu on fifteen, Wellington on twelve, Otago on ten, um, all with one game to go. So. Um, tight between those, Otago probably got too much to do, but uh, Wellington um, and Manawatu probably fighting it out for that um, uh, for that uh, second place. Manawatu have got Hawks Bay; they should get the win. That should see them home. Um, so we should see Canterbury versus Manawatu. Wellington just missing out is my expectation, but um, who knows, hey? Mm. Paul, I was just thinking it would be a good contest between. Uh... North Harbour Hibiscus and, and Tasman woman because they're um, whilst there's only a point splitting them, their points difference is, is very similar. Um, yeah, just just I suppose with COVID, just the way the cards have uh, have laid. G'day Manasi Lily Noy in the uh, chat room there, Manasi. I hope you're well, mate. Former former Bombay halfback played a little bit down in uh, Thames as well, so great to have Manasi on board. Um. Yeah, and I think well, I, the, the, there's an argument to say this north-south thing is a good idea as, as um, the women get to test themselves, and we've seen sort of Northland step up um, from the uh, championship and um, the championship side and really perform well um, at this level. There's also a good argument to say that look, your teams like Taranaki, North Harbour, Hawkes Bay, Tasman aren't really ready for it and need a bit more time to develop in a championship situation. Um, so. Um, I, I understand both points of view um, that uh, if you are that um, eighth team that has to drop down, you're probably going to dominate the championship. So it's not kind of good for you. But there's also a bunch of teams that aren't perhaps really ready for it yet, um, to be honest. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they how, the, how they do structure things post-COVID. Because remember, folks, next year we get to host, as in New Zealand, um, the Women's Rugby World Cup. So it's going to be interesting that we need to have 
some sort of club competition, some sort of not club competition, some sort of top flight competition early next year in the women's game to give the Black Ferns um, conditioning for the Women's Rugby World Cup. We've yet to hear what that's going to be. Um, I know there were plans in place. COVID have clearly caused that to be a, um, caused those to be uh, thrown out the window. Whether they do a um, sort of four, do a sort of north, sort of Auckland, Central, Wellington, South Island, four teams that do a round robin or something, but they need to do something to give the um, the girls some proper action and some training. Uh, club rugby is not going to not going to cut it. Um, with perhaps the Rugby World Cup. You're shaking your head there a bit, Stephen. No, 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 not, not, not at all. Um, I, I just think it's, it's, it's got so much potential. I, I don't think, I don't want to see the New Zealand Rugby Union drop, drop the ball. We're seeing some talented mm. young athletes actually coming through, and some of these unions just need a, a little bit more support. I'm just sort of wondering if maybe there should be some sort of loan system to help. Some of the, the lesser teams, I can see some of the teams in North Harbour running around yesterday probably struggle with a little bit of depth, and, and we all know about the about their, their financial history in, in the background. So maybe they aren't putting as much in to that particular side. But these are extraordinary circumstances. It is a COVID year, so we'll just have to see how this plays out moving forward. But uh, come on, New Zealand rugby, we've actually got a rugby world cup here next year. Let's try to at least lift the lift the standard and support all our ladies out there. Yeah, as Simon says, yeah, super rugby for women. Yeah, something along those sort of lines. Mm. Um, essentially, sort of like an all you could have like a one one based in Auckland, one based in Waikato and in Hamilton, one based in Wellington, and one based in, in in Canterbury. Perhaps you don't have enough to also have a fifth one, but hey, four four would be a good start anyway. Mm. Um, so uh, something needs to be uh, needs to be put in place um, in early twenty twenty one. Um, for, uh, for 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 that, um, most certainly. The um, I had something else on my mind that I was going to say, but I've gone blank. Oh dear! There we go. Um, typical. Um, so um, yeah, uh, thank you everybody. Cracking round of um, minor ten cup and uh, Farrah Palmer Cup this weekend, um, and uh, we will now um, see you out with that um, with that hacker that uh, Stephen. Um, videoed for us. Uh, just uh, a quick technical zooming round to make it happen.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.